0: Hi there, this is Brian Barnett with The Last Symptom. When I started The Last Symptom, I never in a million years imagined it would grow as it has. In these early shows especially, audio quality was often iffy, and there were references to services or online groups that are outdated and no longer in use. Great improvements have been made. Where should you go for all of the most up-to-date resources that I offer? thelastsymptom.com is my permanent website full of free resources where everything is always up to date and that I encourage you to refer back to often there are also a few modest paid resources at thelastsymptom.com these support my efforts and have allowed the last symptom to exist for as long as it has these include one-on-one phone conversations with me one-on-one Zoom video calls with me, and perhaps most importantly, the Last Symptom Fundamentals course, which is a two-week, intensive, pre-recorded online video course that is far superior to things like DBT. The Last Symptom has a flourishing YouTube and Rumble channel, where I publish regular orange slices, which are condensed video insights of five or ten minutes in length. If you are just now discovering the last symptom, welcome. I hope you will find every insight and resource you need here for authentic and permanent recovery from emotional disorders, such as borderline personality disorder. Now on to the show. Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to The Last Symptom. Here with little old me, your host, Brian Barnett. Have you ever read anything by Walt Whitman? Well, brace yourself, because that's how we're going to kick things off this week. I love poetry, and I reckon that I can't be the only one. Besides, this poem is very appropriate for all those who have come to appreciate the information they get from me. So listen closely and see if you can't see why. Why is it appropriate? Here it goes. Y'all ready? This is from Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman. And the title of it is Song of Myself. It goes like this. Have you practiced so long to learn to read? Have you felt so proud to get at the meaning of poems? Stop this day and night with me, and you shall possess the origin of all poems. You shall possess the good of the earth and sun. There are millions of suns left. You shall no longer take things at second or third hand, nor look through the eyes of the dead, nor feed on the specters in books. You shall not look through my eyes either, nor take things from me. You shall listen to all sides and filter them for yourself." That's from 1855, Song of Myself, by Walt Whitman. Last week I got a request to specifically address the topic, Why Do I Push Away Those I Love and Who Love Me? Since the theme follows up so nicely on the heels of the last episode, where I addressed two of the primary causes of anger in those with borderline personality disorder, I figured I'd honor this request. But we're not going to stop there. No way, Jose. We're going to go full out and take it one step further. Let's add in. If borderline personality disorder often involves a powerful fear of abandonment, then how do you explain why those with the disorder push away loved ones? Now that's a puzzle, right? Seems like quite a contradiction. Do you remember what the theme of episode two was? That was a long time ago, I know. The theme of that episode was intimacy deficiency. Intimacy deficiency. Remember, we talked about the natural effects that take place when a person is deficient in this fundamental human need. I compared it to what happened to a British couple who was lost at sea on a life raft for four months. Now, before we get too far into our discussion today, let's have a refresher on the two fundamental distorted core beliefs that all people with borderline personality disorder live with, whether they know it or not. And which is the cause of the entire disorder and all of its symptoms. It's important to do this because it's from here we have to begin to take this journey, which will, in the course of things, reveal the answer as to why those with the disorder are pushing away those they love. See, we're, we're trying to piece together a picture in our head that is irrefutable and clear as day. Because when the secret pieces of a thing are as clear as day then you are powerful against it. So the two distorted core beliefs are my feelings are inherently irrelevant and shameful devoid of worth and from this sprouts the next logical but erroneous fundamental certainty. If my feelings are irrelevant and shameful then I myself must also be inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of worth. The reason for the adoption of this second distorted core belief is because your feelings are you. Nothing is more intimately tied into your sense of self than your feelings. So now we know the constant foundation on which all people with borderline personality disorder are operating. The perspective they're going into things with, which determines their entire view of life. Now listen, if you're convinced that you're deathly allergic to bees, does this not affect your behavior if you're walking barefoot through a field of dandelions? You better believe it, buddy. I was once driving through a tiny little town in West Virginia. This is back when I was a teenager, you know, two million years ago. And up ahead, I saw a feller working up high on a ladder. He was up high on this ladder, and he was painting a house. We're talking a solid two and a half floors up, without any warning whatsoever. <laughs> I saw this fella. He suddenly jumped off the ladder. He hit the ground, and he went rolling around crazily like a like a corn on the cob that's short a few kernels. It scared me. I pulled up to the curb, I rolled down my window, and I said, Hey, buddy, are you all right? He said, No, I'm deathly allergic to bees, and I just got into a nest of them. I was looking straight into the face of a man who knew, who knew, He was fighting for his life. He did not care how ridiculous he looked. I'm telling you now. He did not care how ridiculous he looked. Now, I myself would never have taken a jump like that off a ladder. 50 bee stings, bring it on. Because, man, I ain't jumping from a height like that to the ground. So, did his difference in perspective of bees compared to my perspective of bees... Have a distinctly different effect On his behavior? Oh yeah It sure did It sure did Now let me ask you For just a minute To think about what intimacy Really is What is it? What is intimacy? Intimacy is the revealing Of one's authentic self To another When we talk about your authentic self, what really is that? Now, let me ask you this, is it possible, is it possible to reveal your authentic self to another, and at the same time, keep your authentic feelings hidden from them? No, that is not possible. So your authentic feelings and your authentic self, for all intents and purposes, is the same thing. Now, with this understanding, let's ask and answer the question again. What is intimacy? Intimacy is revealing your authentic feelings to another person. Which is just another way of saying your authentic self. But wait, what is the fundamental subconscious certainty that folks with borderline personality disorder have toward their own feelings? That those feelings are inherently irrelevant, and what? Shameful, devoid of worth. What is shame? Shame is a humiliating repugnance. A humiliating repugnance. And what is humiliation? You felt it. You felt it before. Everybody has. So tap into past humiliation for a moment and remember the feel of it. When I was 13, I had the greatest crush of all time on a girl named Cindy Hipschman. Oh, my dear Lord. Uh, She was ever so fine. She was about three years older than me, and she was just simply the loveliest thing I'd ever seen. So we're at a party together, hosted by adults, and earlier in the day, there had been a water balloon fight, and I had gotten soaked, so my clothes were just soaked. The only other clothes I had with me was a t-shirt and a pair of swimming trunks. Now, when I say swimming trunks, you know the kind I'm talking about. For boys, they have the breeches sewn into the trunks, so when you go without underwear... Your one-eyed snake isn't flopping around all over the place. The inner britches sort of hold your 13-year-old junk in place. Well, Cindy and two of her closest friends, who were every bit of exquisite as Cindy herself was, were now sitting on a couch in the house. And I got up the nerve to go stand in front of them and, well, uh, work my charm on her. And as I was doing this, And feeling pretty good about it all. Another friend of ours. Who was uh, the only black guy in town. His name is Jason. And I'm still friends with him today. And the, the only reason I mention his race. Is to accumulatively paint an accurate picture. Of my cultural background for you. So you know who you're listening to. And where he come from. And the environment that he grew up in. But Jason. Come up behind me. And he yanked my shorts down. He yanked my swim trunks down. And I mean, they dropped straight to the floor like I had lead in the pockets. There was a moment that seemed to last about 40 years. Where my mind was in utter shock and I just stood there. Cindy and her supermodel friends, well, they just turned beet red. And then suddenly I come to my senses. And I mean, I bent over so fast to reach for my shorts that I nearly knocked myself out with my own kneecaps. And speaking of my knees, guess what my swim trunks got caught on while I was trying to pull them up and retain some of my dignity? Yeah, that's right. The shorts got hung up on my knees, which just delayed my frantic attempts to get myself covered. (laughs) You might be asking yourself, why would Jason do something like that to me? Well, the answer is that we were teenage boys. (laughs) And it was just something we were doing at that time. I don't know who started it, (laughs) but once it got started, it was like influenza, you know? Everybody had to get their shot at it. (laughs) And it was just my turn. But the timing of it was just really, really bad for me. I was still wet. Uh, I was cold. And the worst of all, the worst part of it all, is that I was only 13. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly the best time for me to be showcasing my manhood to the woman of my dreams, if in broad daylight, if you know what I mean. That, that is shame. <laughs> what I felt in that situation was shame. I was embarrassingly unwillingly, humiliatingly exposed against my will. So, subconsciously, this is the feeling that people with borderline personality disorder have of their own feelings. We're not talking about a 13-year-old cold, shriveled penis anymore. We're talking about one's very feelings but they subconsciously feel the same level of shame toward their own feelings. The natural result of this is that folks with borderline personality disorder refuse at all cost to be voluntarily, genuinely open with their authentic feelings with anybody. The same way that you're entirely opposed to even the slightest consideration of walking out onto the stage of the Hollywood Academy Awards ceremony, naked, with cameras rolling and Hollywood's beautiful elite looking on. When you haven't been eating right for a year, and haven't been to the gym in two years, and two pregnancies have altered your body in ways that you never thought possible. Just as you are opposed to the idea of doing that, You are subconsciously just as opposed to revealing your authentic self, that is, your authentic feelings, to others in a genuine way, in a genuine, consistent way, no matter who they are. Until now, this has not been your fault. See, the way your parents reacted and behaved any time you revealed your genuine feelings in your early childhood quickly taught you that if you wanted to preserve your dignity, you better not share that genuine part of yourself with anybody. It was your parents and their demented view of the value of your feelings. That is, from their perspective, the lack of value of your feelings that communicated that message to you. That's not your fault. See, you were too young to know that this message was bullshit and that it was your parents, your parents who were messed up. Not your feelings. It wasn't your feelings that were messed up. It was your parents' perspective on feelings that was messed up. So back to intimacy deficiency. If intimacy were merely a luxury, if it were just a luxury, then everything we just described would be no big deal, and you'd be living a healthy life right now. But unfortunately, intimacy is not just a luxury. It doesn't fit into a category of something in life that you can have or not have. And still be emotionally healthy. No. Genuine intimacy falls into the category of a human need. A need. What happens when you're deficient in a need? Well, for physical things, you suffer physically. So, in episode 2 of this podcast, I mentioned vitamin C and scurvy. You know, that's just one example. But does one suffer less when they're deficient in needs that are emotional in nature? mm They don't. They don't suffer less just because the need is emotional in nature. Now, you have been deficient in intimacy since you were three or four years old. Now, do the math. How old are you right now? How desperate, how desperate is your emotional self? Now here's the problem. Unfortunately, as powerfully as you crave intimacy subconsciously due to the extreme deficiency that you are suffering, exactly that much is the power of your fear of intimacy. Do, do you see the problem? As powerfully as you crave intimacy because of your deficiency, exactly that much is how much you also fear intimacy. You're an unstoppable force which has come up against an immovable object. That's That's where you are. That's where you're stuck. There's nothing you need more than intimacy. And there's nothing you fear more. So you're on a never-ending mission to secure intimate relationships for yourself. And sometimes you do. So then what happens? Uh Uh-oh. That's the most dangerous thing my subconscious fears, quick, protect myself. Let, let's go back to your parents and the lesson you learned from the messages in their attitudes toward your sharing of your authentic feelings. There was a time that maybe you can't remember when you were a little kid, and when you felt things, you openly shared those feelings with your parents. It... <laughs> It may be hard for you to even imagine that, but there was that time when you were a child and when you felt things, you openly shared those things with your parents. But consistently, your parents made you feel like this was unwanted, stupid, embarrassing, and inconvenience to them. Since you were in a learning stage of development where every interaction with your parents taught you a lesson about which adjustments to make moving forward in order to get along in life, you learned very quickly to never ever reveal genuine feelings if you did not want to experience humiliation and pain. So the logical alternative was to instead figure out what other people wanted, and to give them that instead. This is the mirroring you hear talked about all the time. Mirroring, they call it. You're simply using your perceptive powers to figure out what qualities people respond positively to, and then you're mimicking that, which is the very opposite of Intimacy. Or the sharing of one's genuine self. You know, it's something you've been doing since childhood. And you've become very good at it. And now, you know the reasons for it. But there's something else. A person who lives with the belief that they themselves... They themselves are irrelevant and shameful, devoid of worth. They live with a subconscious expectation that emotionally healthy people would have a hard time understanding. But I talked about it in episode 32, the previous episode, to this episode. See, if your overwhelmingly true subconscious belief is that you are devoid of worth, that that you are shameful, inherently shameful, it isn't your expectation that people are naturally going to want to be with you Marriage and relationships for people with the disorder are temporary con jobs. You see? Folks with borderline personality disorder, like everybody else in the world, need to feel lovable. Now, notice I didn't say they need to be loved. No, I said they need to be lovable. Think about which of these two things is more powerful and necessary. To be loved or to feel that you are lovable. But for folks with borderline personality disorder, their fundamental certainty is that they are not lovable. That's where the term inherent that I use all the time is so relevant. It's not just that they believe people don't love them. It's that they believe that their inherent nature is that they are unlovable. Inherently unlovable. So when they get into a relationship, and uh, even when they manage to make it through to marriage, their most certain belief in their bones is that it's all sham, and that they have suckered or fooled the other person into believing that they are worth loving. Even though the individual herself or himself secretly knows this is not true. Now, I say they secretly know this is not true in air quotes because it's not the reality. It's only the false reality that they live with. So, the reason fear of abandonment exists, which uh, maybe you've heard that term used repeatedly as the cause of borderline personality disorder, which is total bullshit because it's not the cause of anything, as you can clearly see here. It's, it's just merely a symptom, like any of the other symptoms, that naturally result from the true, authentic cause, which are the two distorted core beliefs I've already spelled out here earlier. But at any rate, the reason the fear of abandonment exists at all is because rejection or loss is an inevitable eventuality from their perspective they truly don't deserve the alternative from where their perspective from their perspective of things you see what I'm saying it's a miracle that they managed to fool anybody into being with them in the first place there's no way it can ever last sooner or later the other person is going to wise up and realize what the person suffering from borderline personality disorder has known all along that you are with somebody who is devoid of worth. You're with somebody who is shameful and irrelevant. Pushing away is both a protection from the dangers of intimacy as well as a preemptive move meant to relieve the agony of the inevitable. In my past life, I was a pretty accomplished public speaker. I represented the Language Services Department of Albert Einstein Hospital in Philadelphia, a Jewish teaching hospital. And uh, I did this from about 2005 to 2011. I was responsible for giving public talks about language and cultural issues to all new medical residents, new employees, and new nurses. And I did this every two weeks. At times, my audience reached upwards of several hundreds of people. When I started, I had about 20 minutes allotted to me. And after about three months, because of the positive reception of my presentations, they expanded my time to an hour and eventually to an hour and a half. I had an hour and a half every two weeks to sit and give public presentations and talks to uh, several hundreds of people as, as my audience. Now, you may be aware that public speaking regularly tops the list of things people fear most. More than sharks, more than spiders, more than mass murderers and uh, more than snakes would you like to know what the scariest part of public speaking is i i think you already know it's not being in front of everybody it's not the fear of being in front of everybody and making a mistake the the scariest part of public speaking without a doubt is the 20 minutes of agony before you get called to the podium. It's the excruciating wait for the inevitable. So personally, I'd rather just rip the band-aid off. I'd rather walk in 20 seconds before it's my time to go up on stage and just and just go up there and do it rather than sit and wait and sweat bullets in the back. That's much less painful than the 20 minutes of suffering internally. So this is what a person with borderline personality disorder is doing in addition to the frozen state that their overwhelming need for intimacy encountering their equally powerful fear of intimacy has put them in. They're also preemptively relieving the subconscious agony of this wait for the inevitable. Now, are you mentally jumping ahead and thinking that this is also the full explanation for sabotaging behaviors as well? Well, not quite. It's true that folks borderline personality disorder may behave in sabotaging behaviors to relieve the subconscious agony of waiting for the inevitable rejection, but sabotaging or acting out behaviors fulfill multiple purposes, things we haven't even had a chance yet to discuss in detail, but that are really important aspects of the disorder, and we will soon dedicate an entire episode to this subject, sabotaging or acting out in short these behaviors serve to distract from and dull the subconscious pain they live with as well as feed the need for external affirmation see if sex and affairs and cheating on your wife or your husband is a very powerful ways to drown out the bad feelings that are deep inside of you It's also a very powerful way to feed the external affirmation that you need in order to feel good about yourself. Because people with borderline personality disorder, they're unable to generate their own inner affirmation, as healthy people do. So I'm really looking forward to discussing that aspect of things with you. External affirmation, we could devote an entire episode to that and sabotaging or acting out behaviors. We could devote an entire episode to that. Now, in conclusion, do I have any news this week? Well, maybe you noticed that this episode of the last symptom of borderline personality disorder went a bit longer than past episodes. That's because I upgraded my hardware to a really beautiful, sparkling, brand new macbook pro laptop so i'm hoping that this will expand some of the possibilities that you and i have to work with and related to that i wanted to say that a friend of mine in florida who is a follower of my work and who is also one of your brothers recovering from borderline personality disorder totally totally surprised me with a financial gift this week just out of the blue Because it was his 8th wedding anniversary. And I told him, that's not how anniversaries work, you know. People are supposed to give you money on your anniversary. (laughs) You're not supposed to be handing out money to other people. But anyway, happy anniversary to him and his beautiful wife and family. And I also want to say that his gift contributed toward the purchase of this new laptop. And also some additional items to complement and improve my efforts here overall so he knows who he is and I could just send him a text message saying all this but this is better and I want him to know that it came at just the right time and that I'm using it in the best way for the greatest good that I can think of in closing I have something funny to tell you you see in episode 25 I you know from my perspective cleverly ended the show with a joke which i i just thought was so charming and uh, the punchline of the whole joke was that a guy loved a woman's rear ends so much he loved women's butts so much that he had married a woman named Fanny well it turns out that a large portion of planet earth understands the word fanny to mean a woman's genitals <laughs> So the, the joke works just as well, if not better in this case, but it certainly, <laughs> it certainly does not meet the PG rating that I was going for. So <laughs> I apologize for that. I've been laughing myself to death about this all week. Uh, this is what happens when a hillbilly like me forgets that uh, only a very small percentage of his listeners... <laughs> share his cultural background, so I promise to give my jokes more international thought in the future. And that's all for now, fellas. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next Thursday.